0: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. I appreciate that very much. But uh, that was an awesome song, you know, about how great is our God for men, women, boys, and girls from all over the world. God's on the move. You know that all over the world, right? It's not just our little group right here. It's all over the planet. Uh, Let me say uh, thank you. To all of those who uh, participated in our adventure race picnic, I had so many people coming up to me last Sunday and going, this is our first annual adventure race picnic, right? And going like, yes, right. But a lot of people jumped in and uh, really helped us out because they kind of threw it together at the last moment. But it was awesome, second to none. You guys really did a fantastic job, those of you who helped us make this adventure happen. And uh, also, today, you know, it's, it's just it's just the way it all happened on the uh, 1st of August, you know, when we, uh, October, thank you, dear, on the 1st of October um, is, as a matter of fact, that's exactly when it happened. That's when Faith Living Church started 37 years ago today, you know. So, uh, and we always get so... F- Caught up in the parade and putting the float we don't have too much time to celebrate any other kind of way but actually we started a bible study here a year before you know we moved into this building here and that was really the foundation of the church so this is really 38 and tomorrow we're entering into our 39th uh, year you know the way i look at it you know but uh, it's been awesome and you know you guys who've been a part Some of you from the very beginning, some just real recent, you know, and getting involved and all, but everything we've done together, we've been making a difference in this world. We really have. You remember what we talked about last week? How big is God? We talked about how big God is last week, and today we're talking about how great is God, and I don't know if you noticed this or not, but that's not a question. There's an exclamation mark, that's a statement. It's like, how great is God, you know? Now, I don't know if there's anybody here who's old enough to remember the Jackie Gleason show. Anybody here remember Jackie Gleason? You remember what one of his statements was in that program? How sweet it is, right? Well, if I started looking that up in the Bible definition for the word how, and the word how is a, a term of measurement, When it is too big to measure, you know, it's like how sweet it is. It's like it's so sweet, it's immeasurable. But when you see that word how, how good it is for brothers to dwell together in unity, it's beyond the capacity to measure. How great is God? You know, if somebody was around Adam and Eve and they were even using computers and they were just calculating, adding up all the numbers that they could add up as fast as they could... Up until this very day. And they had all the numbers up to that point. They don't even come close to how great God is. Those numbers could not possibly add up. God is great. He is extremely awesome, fantastic, amazingly great and good. He genuinely is. (coughs) Um, Let me see. uh, What was that tiger's name? Tony, yeah. Y'all know Tony? You know what Tony said, right? Great. Talking about Frosted Flakes, right? Well, let me tell you, they're great, but God is great. Fantastic, amazing, wonderful. He really is. So that's what I want to talk about just a little bit today. There was a, a little girl, and she was deep in concentration, over her drawing, she was really working hard at drawing something, and her mother asked what she was drawing, and uh, receiving a curt reply. God, so girl was drawing God. Her mother said, "But no one knows what God looks like," and the little girl replied, "They will now." You know, <laughs> so I like that little girl's attitude. I really do. You know, well. What is God really like? Think about that for a moment. Now I want us to look at Psalms 103, verse one, and it says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul." We're talking to ourselves here, "Bless the Lord, O my soul." So the psalmist was saying, "And all that is within me bless His holy name." I mean, He is great. He's awesome. He's fantastic. He's wonderful. And then he goes on to say in verse (coughs) 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The original language, what it says there is, forget not one of all his benefits. Just really remember them, you know what I'm saying? He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Benefits. Has God benefited you in any way? Has he provided you? Is he your beneficiary? I mean, has God sent blessings to you? Innumerable ones. And it says, And forget not all his benefits, who forgives... What's that next word? All your iniquities. That just means sin. He's forgiven all your sins, who forgives all your iniquities... Who heals, what's that say? All your diseases. Can you believe that? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? And you understand, mercy is not getting the punishment or the judgment that you do deserve, that we deserve, but we're not getting it. If, if God is merciful, we don't get the bad that we really deserve. Grace, on the other hand, is receiving all the benefits and all the blessings that we don't deserve. And it says in verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Has anybody eaten anything good today? I haven't had no breakfast yet myself. I should have brought something. I could have eaten it on this this particular mess. That would have been good, but I didn't remember to do that. But it says, God, who satisfies our mouth with good things, anything that you've ever eaten, if you if you pick something out of the garden or off of a tree, whether it was an apple or an orange or a banana or whatever it might have been, if it was good, God made it for you. And he's given wisdom to some People how to throw all kinds of ingredients of grains and honeys and sugars and berries and whatever else it might be to make some pretty good stuff, right? If you have ever had your mouth satisfied with something good to eat, it's because God made it for you. He provided the the, uh, ingredients for you and the wisdom for people to kind of blend them together. So, verse 5 says, Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Wow. How great is God for all the things He's done. And you know, when I was a kid, I don't know if, if you're all familiar if this prayer or not, but I was taught a prayer and that we would pray this prayer and I was allowed to pray it, when I was as far back as I can remember, when I would pray, this is what I would pray when we come to mealtime. And it was, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. Anybody know that prayer? Or is that just a southern thing? Okay. All right. Not so much up here. Well, I was praying that, you know, as soon as I could talk. So, I was exposed to how great God was when I was first learning to pray. But you got to understand, I didn't know what I was saying. I thought God is great was one word God is great. God is good. That was two words, you know. God is great, God is good. And it was only a couple of years later, maybe three years later, when it's just like, God is great. Oh, that's three words there, you know. And sometimes all of us overlook the fact that God is great. We just take it for granted, you know. So, on the evening of April the 25th, 1958, a young Korean exchange student, a leader in student Christian affairs in the University of Pennsylvania, he left his apartment and he went to the corner to post a letter to his parents in Korea. Turning from the mailbox, he stepped into the path of 11 leather-jacketed teenage boys. Without a word, they attacked him, beating him with the blackjack. It's like some lead that's been overlaid with leather. Really destructive little tool. And a lead pipe, and, <laughs> and with their shoes and feet, uh, their shoes and fist. Later, when the police found him in the gutter, he was dead. All Philadelphia cried out for vengeance. The district attorney secured legal authority to try the boys as adults so that those found guilty could be given the death penalty. Then a letter arrived from Korea that made everyone stop and think. It was signed by the parents and by 20 other relatives. Of the murdered boy it read our family has met together and we have decided to petition that the most generous treatment possible within the laws of your government be given to those who have committed this criminal action in order to give evidence of our sincere hope contained in this petition we have decided to save money to start a fund, to be used for religious, educational, vocational, and social guidance of the boys when they are released. We have dared to express our hope with a spirit received from the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Now, you know that ain't natural, right? That's supernatural. For parents to make such awesome provisions... And to request grace and mercy for the criminals who killed their son. That ain't natural. That's supernatural. God is great. God is good. You know, what did Jesus say? Some of the last things he said as he hung upon that cross. And he was. Asking his father, and he had in mind the men who had just beaten him terribly, where he was almost unrecognizable as a man. Forced him to carry his cross, nailed his hands, his feet, crown of thorns, and Jesus, as he hung there, hardly able to breathe, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That was not natural. That was supernatural. God is great. He is able not to be controlled by feelings and emotions. He's able not to just lash out because of something that happened. You know, what a great example those parents were of God's mercy and his grace. The truth is, people need love. Do they not? Especially the people who don't deserve it. Don't they need love? So now if, if you're upset and you're a bit out of shape, well, I just don't understand. People come to me all the time about some lost person, how bad they were and what they did. I'm going like, I understand it perfectly. You know, lost people who don't have a relationship with God, they're not going to act like a Christian. It's difficult enough for a Christian to act like a Christian. Is that true? Sure it is. So you understand why these folks out in the world are doing that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 it says, and this is in the message, it says, Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next who shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving, talking about salvation, (coughs) saving is all his idea. And all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift. From start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No. We neither make or create, make, nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. God is awesome, isn't he? God is great. God is good. He goes on to say here, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work that we had better be doing. God has invited us to partner with him. We have a purpose for being here on this earth, to let the light shine, genuinely to let the light shine out. You know, one of the things that I have learned, I actually drive the Hummer that's pulling the float, and I haven't lost any of the musicians on the float yet. When you take off too fast, and they go, ooh, you know, and all that. (laughs) But as I'm driving the float for some odd years now, um, and the music from our float passes our float and gets way ahead, there's lots of floats that are very interesting, But our music gets up there and you see the whole crowd turn their head and look to where that music's coming from and I'm gonna be honest with you I have been brought to tears many a time as I see the hollow the empty look in people's faces and there's something that has captivated them for a few moments and over the years I've had the privilege of meeting people who come into our church now on a regular basis the first time they ever heard of us or saw us was on the float as we were going through the town of Southington singing worship and praise songs to God and the atmosphere was electrified there was something different it wasn't just a country western band there was something different because God inhabits the praises of his people and there was something that gravitated you know, their attention and you could see their hunger something more than they had and we need to let that light that is within us, that hope that is within us we need to let it out, touch other people's lives now we just read this verse here in Ephesians you know and you know works cannot save us but works always accompany salvation when you're genuinely saved works accompany it and you will do good things Works always accompanies faith, you know? That's just the way it it is, you know? And grace is not given because we've done good works. Grace is given to us to enable us to do good works. The word grace, the best definition you'll ever find of grace is God's enabling power. And he gives us grace so we can do the good things that he has called us to partner with him to do. Now, when Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town, and I'm very familiar with this concept, there are certain parts in the south, little bitty old towns, that has the only road that you can get somewhere else. It's the only little road, and they have these speed traps, you know. I don't know if you've ever heard of a speed trap, but the speed limit may be 50, 55 miles an hour. You come over a hill and all of a sudden, bam, 35. You didn't have time to slow down, but there's a guy with his little blue light going, <whistles> <coughs> And that's how they stuff their coffers, you know, and pay for the, the, the police department and stuff in those little towns. And I'm not exaggerating. There are little speed traps like that in certain parts of the South. I've got caught there myself a time or two. And you're just going, by. And they usually get the guys from out of town, but occasionally they get their own. Anyhow, so when Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town, he was stopped by a policeman, and he was charged with speeding. Graham admitted his guilt, but he was told by the officer that he would have to appear in court. The judge asked, guilty or not guilty? And when Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, that'll be 10 $10. A dollar for every mile you went over the limit. And you know this story is real, real, real old. (laughs) Right? Ain't no dollar a mile anymore. Well, suddenly the judge recognized a famous minister, Billy Graham. (coughs) And he says, you have violated the law. The fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you. So the judge took out a $10 bill from his own wallet, attached it to the ticket, and then took Billy Graham out and bought him the biggest steak dinner they had. That, said Billy Graham, is how God treats repentant sinners. He pays. He pays the penalty. You know, when there's a law out there, if you didn't have, you know, speed limit signs on the road, you wouldn't know if you're breaking the law or not. There wouldn't be a law. But once it's posted, you know, 55, and you're doing 85 there, now you're guilty. Well, the law has told us that we're guilty. But God, he sent his son to pay for us breaking the law. And there is a marriage supper of the Lamb that awaits us one day. God is great. God is good. But for grace, my soul had perished withered as the desert sand, gone to shadows and tormented, but for grace's perfect plan, but for God's unceasing mercy, but for Calvary's sacrifice, I had wandered blind and thirsting, fell to Satan's grim device. But the blessed blood of Jesus shed upon that cruel tree called me from the lingering shadows, saved my soul and rescued me. But for grace, oh, grace perfected, but for love's undying flame, I would have never hoped in Jesus, never ever known his name. I'm telling you, it's the grace of God. See, mercy is not getting the judgment that we rightfully deserve, and grace is receiving all the benefits, all the blessings that we do not deserve. It's the grace of God. His enabling power has brought such a transformation in our lives. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Watch what God does. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but... It was what? Extravagant. His love was amazing it was incredible extravagant i mean it just blows everything away no one's ever loved like that his love was not cautious but extravagant he didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of himself to us and then the scripture says love like that love like that not a selfish love trying to get something from somebody verse 3 says don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed, the, though some tongues just love the taste of gossip. You love the taste of gossip? To be honest with you, you might as well be a witch. You go, what are you talking about? In the Bible, you look up talebearer gossips and all, and it's not similar to the word Witchcraft is the exact same word. The same spirit that is behind witchcraft is the exact same spirit behind gossip. It's one and the same. You go, no way. I would never practice witchcraft Well, you're doing it, when you practice gossip. That's just the truth of it. And we need to waken up to it's like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like the taste of gossip no more. So it says, some sometimes just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus... Have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. If you ever really want to know what the will of God is and get smack dab in the middle of it real quick, the Bible says, give thanks. You know, thanks to God. It is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Giving thanks is... The will of God. You can get slap dab in the middle of God's will by giving thanks and being a person of of gratitude and who is grateful. He says thanksgiving is our dialect. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations of idolatry will get you nowhere and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God, Verse 6 says, so don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. Verse 8, you groped your way through that murk once but no longer. You're out in the open now. That bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. God is great. He is good. He genuinely is and he loves you. And he shows his mercy and his grace to us every day. We've got something to thank him for. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, How thankful I am to Christ Jesus, our Lord, for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve him. Now the apostle is saying, you know, what a blessing this is. How thankful I am that he considers me trustworthy and he appoints me to serve him. Are we thankful that we've been given opportunity to serve him? Or do we try to shun our responsibility of serving Almighty God, although he has appointed us all to serve along with them, to be a partner with them. Verse 13 says, Even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ, and I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was. He filled me completely with faith, And the love of Christ Jesus. How great is God to forgive us like that. Not hold it against us. Verse 15 says, Paul said, This is a true saying, and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of them all. Paul, he said it about his own self. Before his name was changed to Paul, he was called Saul. He was actually putting Christians to death. He had an encounter with Jesus and he began to preach the gospel he hated so much earlier on. And listen to what he goes on to say. But that is why God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners that God had been patient with Saul as he was having Christians put to death in the arena, fed to lions and all. And God was patient even with him. He had a conversion experience and he used the rest of his life before he died a martyr's death to promote the gospel that he had fought against in the beginning. Then others will realize, when they see how bad Paul was, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. And I'm talking about awesome God, you know, great, good. And it says amen, So, so be that. There was a large, prosperous downtown church. And it had three mission churches under its care which it had started as an outreach. And on the first Sunday of the new year, all the churches of the mission churches came to the city church for a combined communion service. And those mission churches, which were located in the slums of the city, were some outstanding cases of conversions, thieves and burglars and so on, way way bad kinds of stuff, you know. But they all knelt side by side at the altar. And on one such occasion, the pastor saw a former burglar kneeling beside a judge of the Supreme Court, the judge who had sent him to jail, where he had served for seven years. And after his release, the burglar had been converted and became a Christian worker. Yet as they knelt there, The judge and the former convict, neither one seemed to be aware of the other. After the service, the judge was walking home with the pastor and said to the pastor, Did you notice who was kneeling beside me at the communion rail this morning? The pastor replied, Yes, but I didn't know that you noticed. The two walked along in silence for a few more moments, and then the judge said, What a miracle of grace. The pastor nodded in agreement. Yes, what a marvelous miracle of grace. And then the judge said, But to whom do you refer? And the pastor said, Why to the conversion of that convict? And the judge said, But I was not referring to him. I was thinking of myself. The pastor surprised. He replied, You're thinking of yourself. I don't understand. Yes, the judge replied, It didn't cost that burglar much to get converted when he came out of jail. He had nothing but a history of crime behind him. And when he saw Jesus as his Savior, he knew there was salvation and hope and joy for him. And he knew how much he needed that help. But look at me. I was taught from my earliest infancy to live as a gentleman, that my word was to be my bond, that I was to say my prayers and go to church and take communion and so on. I went through Oxford, took my degrees, was called to the bar, and eventually became a judge. Pastor, nothing but the grace of God could have caused me to admit that I was a sinner on the level with that burglar. It took much more grace to forgive me of all my pride, my self-deception, to get me to admit that I was no better in the eyes of God than that convict that I had sent to prison. God is great. And God is good to all of us, to each and every one of us. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 says, Paul still speaking, he says, For I am the least of all the apostles, I am not worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out His special favor, His grace, His enabling power on me. Verse 10 in the King James Bible says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I didn't do this. I didn't reach this position because of me. It's the grace of Almighty God that enabled and equipped and empowered me. So verse 10 says, But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out His special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than all the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by His grace, by His enabling power. See, when the mask of self-righteousness has been torn away from us, I mean, torn away, pulled off, we become candidates for God's generous grace. His enabling power. Titus chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. Were you ever foolish and disobedient? It says once we were. We were misled by others and became slaves to many wicked desires and evil pleasures. Were you? Does that describe something in your past somewhere? Our lives were full of evil and envy. We ever been there? We hated others, and they hated us. Did you ever do that? Has anybody ever hated you back? If you haven't, just wait a little while. You'll have somebody. You'll do that. See, abounding sin, if you think about it, is the terror of this world. Abounding sin. It just keeps moving and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But abounding grace, it's the hope of our world. It's the hope of mankind. Abounding grace. There's enough of God's grace to forgive every. Man, woman, boy, and girl that he ever created. There's enough. He'll never run out. Picking up in verse 4, Titus 3, 4, it says, But then God our Savior, after all this sin that we've been exposed to in our past, but then God our Savior showed us his kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because his mercy, because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, and he gave us a new life. So many people right now are hungry and desperate for a new life, to have hope. So many people. They're all around us. Everywhere we go, there are people who are desperate. They're hungry for a new life, for hope, to expect something good in the future. But so many people are hopeless. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, When we were utterly, which means totally and completely, When we were utterly helpless, you got to understand that God took the initiative here. We were all helpless at some point. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. He died for us sinners. That was me. He died for us. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, Now no one is likely to die for a good person. Though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good, verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, the, the law, it detects our sin, grace alone conquers it. It says, Christ was sent to die. For us while we were still sinners while we were still like the guys who had beat Christ up while we were still like the guys who nailed him to the cross and Jesus said father forgive them they don't know what they're doing Christ died for us not because we were so good and we deserved it but when we were sinful that's just the truth of it D.L. Moody said the law tells me how crooked I am grace comes along And straightens me out. I like that. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of years gone by. And another pastor, Joseph Parker. They both had churches in London in the 19th century. And on one occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of the children admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. Now hear what he said. He made comment on the poor condition of the children admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. Orphanage. It was reported to Spurgeon, however, that Pastor Parker had criticized the orphanage itself. It was a misunderstanding. Spurgeon blasted Parker the next week from his pulpit. The attack was printed in the newspaper and became the talk of the town, so people flocked to Parker's church the next Sunday to hear his rebuttal. How was he going to respond to what Spurgeon said about him? I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today. He had to go out of town to travel. And this is a Sunday they used to take an offering for the orphanage to care for those poor children. I suggest that we take a love offering here instead because Pastor Spurgeon is not there. The crowd was delighted. The ushers had to empty the collection plate three times. Have you ever seen somebody take an offering and say, I'm sorry, there's no room for your offering. I'll be back in a few minutes with another plate. Three times later that week, there was a knock at Parker's study. It was Spurgeon. You know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You have not given me what I deserved. You have given me what I needed. And you know what? You and I begin need to begin practicing grace on people. Practicing grace, good place to start, is probably our home. (coughs) And then the places we work and buy our gas and buy our groceries and with our neighbors to begin to practice grace. Pouring the blessings out upon people that they don't deserve. And mercy not giving them the judgment and the bad that they do deserve. Luke chapter 15, last verse we're going to look at. Verse 1, it says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, what in the world would notorious sinners come to hear Jesus preach? Because he was preaching the good news he was preaching about forgiveness he was preaching about transformation he was preaching about my my father's not mad at you he's here to help you he loves you he cares about you preaching mercy and grace and forgiveness that's why the worst of the sinners came to hear jesus and it says in verse 2 this made the pharisees and teachers of religious law complain That he was associating with despicable people, even eating with them. And the religious leaders didn't ever do that. They didn't hang around sinful people. No way. It would corrupt them, contaminate them, you know. I'm so thankful that they could not gain control over Jesus. Aren't you, you know? Jesus was not politically correct. He did what his father wanted him to do. Now, we're not going to look it up right now, but you remember the story about the prodigal son. He took half of his dad's money, he went off and he partied it. And he spent it on riotous living, the Bible says. And then there came a time when his money ran out and a famine hit. And none of his uh, friends, who was his friends when he had money, were there any longer. He started working in a pig pen to feed the pigs and that wasn't something Jewish boys did. But he did it just so he could eat some of the pig food. And the farmer wouldn't let him have that anymore. So he came to himself and he went home to his dad. His dad saw him from a long ways off. And when his dad saw him, he ran out there and met him, not with a lecture, but with a kiss. He kissed him. He gave him a kiss, not a lecture. And then he gave him a party, not probation. Here is a sinful kid coming home. A kiss and a party. And then we think about it. The older brother. He brought up all kinds of objections that, that you might have towards somebody. You remember what he said to his father? The essence of it was, Dad, he doesn't deserve a party. He doesn't deserve you taking care of him anymore. He wasted half of what you earned your whole life long, he wasted it, Dad. He doesn't deserve another chance. (laughs) Now, Dad probably didn't say it, but maybe he thought about it. It's like, nope, you're right, son, and neither do you deserve it. And neither do you and I deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve the benefits of God. And his mercy and grace, it wouldn't be mercy and grace if we deserved it. But God loves us. And he loves the people in our communities. He genuinely does. So with that said, I'd like us to close with a song. And then we'll have a word of prayer after that.
1: Jesus, friend of sinners We have strayed so far away We cut down people in your name But the sword was never ours to swing Jesus, friend of sinners The truth's become so hard to see The world is on their way to you But they're tripping over me Always looking around but never looking up I'm so double-minded A plank-eyed saint with dirty hands And a heart divided Oh, Jesus Friend of sinners Open our eyes to the world At the end of our pointing fingers Let our hearts be led by mercy help us reach with open hearts and open doors oh jesus friend of sinners break our hearts for what breaks yours Fall from their hands Help us to remember We are all the least of these. Let the memory of your mercy Bring your people to their knees Nobody knows what we're for Only what we're against When we judge the wounded What if we put down our signs Crossed over the lines And loved like you did Oh Jesus, friend of sinners Open our eyes to the world At the end of our pointing fingers Let our hearts be led by mercy Help us reach with open hearts and open doors Oh Jesus, friend of sinners Break our hearts for what breaks yours. You love every lost cause. You reach for the and your love endures forever. You are good. You are good and your love
0: don't really have anything to do with sinners. But that's what we all were at one point in time. And Jesus comes and brings a transformation, makes us a child of God, our partaker of his divine nature. But he's given us this task to follow his example. And God is great. And God is good. And whether it's out there in the parade today, you're smiling, giving people hope, waving, shaking a hand maybe, or you're in the crowd, you know, touching people's lives, giving hope just by your, your very presence and the way you, you handle yourself or maybe in your home or your community, your neighborhood where you work. And just because, well, I heard something bad about them, that's who Jesus would be talking to That's the person who would be discovering forgiveness and mercy and grace. Let's follow our Savior's example. He's great, and he's good. Would you bow with me right now as we pray? And uh, what I want to pray about, for those of you who know Jesus, if we could just really reaffirm our faith in him today. Recommit ourselves to him today. And those who have never done such a thing, you would join us and welcome Christ into your life as your Savior, as your Lord and your King. And allow him to bring about the transformation that we can't do on our own, but he sure can. So would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe that Jesus died in my place. He was a whipping boy for me. He took my place. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is offering life and the forgiveness of sin to all who would open their hearts. I open wide my heart, and I receive Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. Help me, O God, to love sinners. Help me to invest myself and make a difference in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. You know, if you prayed to me just now, you welcome Christ into your life for the very first time. Would you stop at our connections desk on your way out? We've got a little gift bag. It's got a Bible in there, some other little goodies that I believe would inspire you. Pick that up. It's all free. And if you're here as a guest, stop back there. They've got a, a gift for all of our guests. Just a little something to let you know. We appreciate you being here today, and we hope you come back. And then, if you would, if you need some prayer, there'll be folks around this altar over here to my left who would love to pray with you. And then finally, on your Connections card, if you choose to agree with this, you check it off. It says, I will focus and meditate this week on the fact that God is great. God is good. I'm going to think about that all week long. If that's you, so I'm going to put that in operation, check it off, drop it in the tithe box on your way out. Now, I suppose those who are going to be marching in the parade, we need to start getting out that door over yonder way when we leave. God bless you. You are dismissed.
1: my one-year anniversary at the shop. No way. Yeah.
0: It don't seem possible. Yeah.